Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him, John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now as we consider your word for our lives. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <laughs> Thank you all for patiently listening to me as I do whatever version of playing the guitar that I do. Uh, Amanda and Brianna are off. Get doing, you know, traipsing around the world. I'm sure they're in Europe playing at all sorts of organ music halls right now. They'll be back uh, with us next week, and you'll hear some some good old traditional hymns uh, next week. Uh, I'm so thankful to be with you guys today. I'm going to uh, close off this long sermon series that I've been doing about church as revealing heaven to the earth today with a conversation with you about what baptism means for us. Today is the Feast of the Baptism of Jesus. That's why we're wearing white today, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Uh, you guys might know this. Sorry, just back up. Sermon back up. This is all sermon preview right now. Um, you guys know Christmas doesn't start October 31st, right? <laughs> right. Christmas actually starts on December 25th, or if you think like one of these old Hebrew types did, on the night of the 25th, the night before the 25th, um, called so-called Christmas Eve, and it lasts for 12 days, and then on January 6th, we celebrate <coughs> the Feast of the Epiphany, which is the day that Jesus was revealed to the wise men, or as, uh, as uh, Pete likes to call them from Jersey, the wise guys, right? <laughs> And immediately after that happens, the next Sunday, we always remember, we celebrate the baptism of our Lord Jesus. And I, I think if, if you just take a moment to think about it for a second, what are the reasons why you and I get baptized? John the Baptist tells everybody that we get baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, for repentance. Well, if you know anything about Jesus, you know that sounds sort of strange, because what sin did Jesus ever commit that he needed repentance for? None, Right? And so um, what I want to elucidate, take time to, to talk about this morning is this idea of us seeing heaven as brought down to earth through the way that we live, specifically from the way that we let our thinking control our lives. And so the name of my sermon today is bringing heaven to earth like finding your happy thought. Now, this whole sermon is based off of the most important movie, movie that's ever been released in the history of cinema. I'm talking, of course, about the 1996 release, A Hook, which stars Robin Williams, 
as as a Peter Banning, later to be revealed as Peter Pan, and he also the Hook stars starring Dustin Hoffman. Have you guys seen this movie? Okay, if you haven't, there needs to be a course correction in your lives. Okay, repent of your non-Hook watching. Watching now that you have the internet, you can watch it at any time, not during the service. Tom, not during the sermon, please. We're gonna talk. Take time to talk about this idea of correcting our thinking and moving into a life of Christ by finding our happy thought. What I want to do is just take a little time to preview the journey first that Peter Pan took in the movie Hook. Now, if you've seen the movie, let's go to the next slide here, Mike. If you've seen the movie anytime before, when we come upon Peter Banning, he's a, he's a grown-up man. He lived in the United States. He was given up for adoption after being found in London. He was adopted to a family, and now when we meet him, he's a middle-aged man who's a cynical lawyer who's afraid of heights. And so he's always worried about his kids. His son likes to climb on the banister. What does he say? You get down from there, you're going to break your neck. They like to play around open windows. What does he say? Always keep these windows closed. And contrary to that, Peter, through the discovery that his children have been kidnapped from going himself to Never Neverland and going through a process of reprogramming, turns into, from a cynical lawyer, to a man who lives by his happy thoughts. A man who's joyful and carefree. He's, he's actually so carefree because he's so filled with joy by the end of the film that he forgets that he has the next day to go fight against Captain Hook to save his children. And I want to talk about this for a second because I think there's a, a problem with our programming in the United States, with our programming in the world, is we're taught that in order to live your life, you have to be serious. You have to be concerned. You have to be regularly upset about the anxieties of the world around you. And I, I discovered this when I became an adult. Whenever I would walk into a room smiling, I would always have someone in my life say to me, how could you smile when such and such a thing is happening? When the environment is a catastrophe, when the political realities of the world are tumbling before us, when COVID's happening, how can you sit there and smile? And I want to say, I want to identify and label this way of encountering the world by using a phrase that my church planning mentor is giving me. It's the phrase, stinking thinking. Okay, can you say that for me? Stinking thinking. I think we're obsessed with stinking thinking within our culture, within our society, that we let all the negativity of our lives totally enrapture us. So we become like Captain Hook. The hook is grown up just like Peter Pan. Something's wrong with Hook. He realizes how awful and decrepit the world is around him, that he's so worried about all the time that has to pass before him. Hence, anytime he hears the clicking of a clock, he has to destroy it. This is part of the destruction that we see in the world around us. That instead of fixating on the happy thoughts that are given to us by God, by engaging in that new lifestyle, we instead get stuck in stinking thinking. Now, contrary to the story of Peter Pan in the movie, next slide, Mike, we have the story of Peter Pan's son, Jack. Now, Jack is kidnapped against his will. He's brought onto Captain Hook's pirate ship. And throughout the whole story, Captain Hook devised this incredible plan. He's going to convince the little kids to like him. 
And so here's what he does. He starts to feed these children lies about his own, their own parents. You know why your kids read you bedtime stories? It's not because they love you. It's because they're trying to shut you up. You know why your parents have given you all of these goodies and treats? It's because they want to conk you out with sugar so they can finally have a few minutes around, alone to, to, with one another. Now, I, I, I think it's so easy for us to, to laugh at those sorts of jokes, but I hear all of these phrases when it comes to religion, when it comes to Christianity. Why do we have bishops, priests, and deacons? Because that's just a bunch of men that want to control you. Why does Christianity seek to um, tell culture what truth is? Because we want to assert our dominance and control over others. Can you see how this stinking thinking, this tainting of thinking by Captain Hook, continues to arouse and deceive the masses? We're stuck today instead thinking about what makes us the most pleased rather than what makes God the most pleased. Now, this is the exact evolution that Jack went from. He went from a little boy kidnapped out of his bedroom to wearing all of the garb and paraphernalia that Captain Hook wore himself. And it was so deceived that only three days after being captured, when he sees Peter Pan for the first time, he says, that man looks familiar to me. And Captain Hook says so deceptively, no, my boy, you've never seen him before in your life. This is the story of a world created by God, intended for God's holy purposes, seeing the cross of Christ, seeing all of the trappings of the church and saying, that is foreign to me, but somehow it seems familiar. And the devil says to us, that's just control. That's just power. That's just men trying to control women. That's just a world trying to deceive you into thinking that they know best when you actually ought to seek your own pleasure. Instead of that stinking thinking, what I want to hand over to you guys today are some of the happy thoughts of the story of baptism. Next slide. In the Gospel of Matthew today, we read a story about Jesus' baptism in the water Jordan, the river Jordan. And the most incredible thing about this story is that after Jesus is baptized, we see a picture of how God intended to feel and engage with all of creation. As soon as Jesus rises from the water, listen to the words that the Father says to the Son. This is my Son, the Beloved with him, I am pleased. There's an important happy thought that I want us to engage in for this. When you embrace God, God embraces you. Now, I know as I'm saying these stories to you, as we're talking about this, some of you guys come from real pain and baggage you're dealing with right now. Like before we even engaged in worship, we sent out a whole trough of prayer requests of people who are sick in the hospital, people who are mourning the death of loved ones, people who don't know how they're going to get their next meal tomorrow. That's part of the reality of the world we live in. And in the front, in, in confronting that reality, this is what Jesus says to us. If you embrace the Father, you will be embraced by him. I like to reflect on Matthew chapter 6 occasionally because Jesus says what I find to be one of the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard. Don't be anxious. Now, Jesus, by the way, lived in the first century. 
He knew what it meant to have to go hunt for your food. He knew that in order for you to eat bread, you had to go find it from the wheat stalk and grind it up and bake it over an oven that you couldn't just turn on to 450. I don't know if you bake bread at 450, whatever you do. <laughs> in a world where he was occupied by Rome, where just to survive meant all the, all the time in the world, Jesus said, don't worry. And I don't think that the basis of him saying us not to worry, by the way, when Jesus says, don't worry, that's a command, not a suggestion. Just mini sermon in the middle of the sermon, by the way. Think about that for a second. If you worry, you disobey Jesus. That Jesus, in his love for us, in his command that we are beloved children of God, he says, hey, don't even need to worry. God's got it. If you live instead embracing God, you will become his beloved one. Now that's us with God. That's Matthew's happy thought that he hands over to us. That's the sort of thought that takes us from the story of Peter Banning, singular, uh, cynical lawyer who's afraid of heights, to a man who is so enraptured in the joy and love that he has for his life, specifically his children, that he flies that he has no more fear. I think that our stories with God are ones in which when we turn ourselves toward God, we discover God's beloved love for us, his embrace for us. It changes the way that we orient ourselves, not about having to worry about the world around us, but one in which we see that all of our identity, all of our purpose, all of our striving, it lives in God himself. Now, for those of you who study, uh, have studied baptism with me before, we've talked about this in liturgy class and in Bible study, baptism is supposed to be an entire course correction for who you are. Actually, the way we say it in our prayers in the baptismal liturgy is when you are baptized, you die. The old Asher, the old Debbie, the old Tim, you die. And instead, a new creature is born in Christ. Actually, Christ himself enters into you. So it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives within you. Now, can you think of a happier thought than this? The problem is we're so stuck in our post-baptismal stinking thinking that we don't live into the life that Christ has intended for us. Hence, the church stands idly by in a world that desperately needs it. Now, that's Matthew's happy thought. Let me just take you one more step to Peter's happy thought. That when Peter has encountered the centurion Cornelius, he's come upon an entire group of Gentile people who, by the way, Jews don't hang out with. Peter, a Jew, would never hang out with a Gentile Cornelius. When he encounters the Gentile Cornelius, after he receives this vision from God that everything that God has made clean is clean, Peter had this revelation everyone is valued by what they do, not by where they're from. Everyone is valued by what they do, not by where they're from. And y'all, I, I got to tell you, I think this is one of the aspects of our human identity that we need to wrap our heads around. That we are so stuck within the camps of Jew and Gentile, or male and female, or Republican and Democrat, that we lose sight of the fact that Christ has called all of us to serve him. 
And so you don't have the authority or the right or the leeway to judge someone for being the wrong anything. Instead, what we do is we hold up God's law and we say, are we following this? This is the measurement of goodness or badness or rightness or wrongness. So that Peter walking and proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles could testify that God had valued everyone entirely, that the slate of their old selves was wiped clean to receive receive instead the new life of Christ. We've covered what the happy thought of Peter Pan was. We understand what the happy thought of Matthew is, embracing God, he embraces you. That Peter himself, the apostle, declared to us that God has wiped the slate clean of everything that we were so that we could be empowered to do for the kingdom. Let me ask you this question. What happy thought is pointing you to Christ? Not what anxieties are plaguing your life right now. Not all the things that are going wrong. What's the happy thing that holds you fast to the Lord? A couple years ago, I began a, a, a practice called spiritual direction. Have you guys heard of spiritual direction before? A spiritual director is like a therapist for your relationship with Jesus. I sat down with a spiritual director and we started talking about a bunch of different issues in my life. And one of the things that we started landing on was the issue of God as father. For some reason, I struggled with this concept that God was my father. I liked the idea that God could be a buddy or that God could be a mother, that God could be some sort of a a, a companion. But when I understood God as father, I felt like there was a roadblock between me and the Lord. And not for any really good, clear reason just that I had been stuck in all sorts of stinking thinking in my life. Now, by the time I had this conversation with my spiritual director, I had this mildly important event happen in my life, the birth of my firstborn child, a boy. And so I sat down with the spiritual director and he said the most incredible thing to me. He says, how do you feel about your son? And I started tearing up. I said, I love him more than I can even put words to. This was before he was a teenager, right? (laughs) I love him more than I can ever say. He goes, that is just a small drop in the ocean of God's love for you. The fatherly love that you have for Asher is but a tiny pinprick compared to the overwhelming, never-ending love of the father for you. And as soon as he said that, all of that stinking, thinking, Captain Hook way of living into the fatherhood of God melted away. And the immense love that I now know is my heavenly father's love for me. Y'all, I think this is what we got to do. We got to find these happy thoughts that God's constantly introducing to us through our lives, through maybe these sermons, through your encounters with people at the grocery store. Let those happy thoughts be a baptism of new life for you. Because just as Jesus' baptism showed us who we can be, so we, if we live our lives following the Father, we will allow these happy thoughts to show the world who Christ is. Amen. Amen.